All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 177 in full swing, full motion, man. We are so happy to be here with you guys because for the first time in what seems to be such a long time, we got some actual Chiefs football to discuss. We know it's just Chiefs camp. We know it's just training camp. Preseason hasn't even officially kicked off yet until early August, but it feels really good to to get to, to these things, to these matters, because we know there's a lot to talk about and there's a lot of things you guys care about, therefore we care about it. And first and foremost, we want to thank everybody that's been subscribed to this show, uh, been a part of what we do here for whatever length of time you've been here. We want to thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, whether you are live streaming, whether you are podcasting, or you are YouTubing, we want to thank you so much for your loyalty and your commitment and to putting up with us dipshits as we talk a little football, as we talk a little sports. I was actually at Chiefs tra- uh, training camp today with Shaggy Shane Williams and Clay Windler, and it's a tradition that we now have. I used to, I mean, shoot. 10 years ago, all the way up till about 2016, 2017, I'd be at camp every single day. And it was something I very much loved and appreciated. It, it, it got me a lot of people to, to pay attention to what I was doing. And it got a lot of people in the spoken. But then as time went on, I realized that maybe just being out there every single day may not be the greatest idea for myself. I needed to maybe be a little more committed to the content side of things. And now we keep a tradition where Clay, Shane, and I go out there at least once once a year. And it was it's always a fun time. And I, it's always a unique experience. There's changes and developments. There's always uh, different people out there. We saw different faces and a lot of familiar faces that we've seen in the past. But one thing has been consistent since 2013, and it's the way Andy Reid runs his practices. And the first thing I always look for is just the vibe of the team. I want to get an idea of what exactly is their approach, um, who's all focused, if everyone's focused, if few people are focused. And it's it's always it's usually very similar, especially over the last four years since Patrick Mahomes took over, because we all know when that took place in 2018, it was a different vibe. We knew that there was different expectations. There was more excitement than there has ever been here in Kansas City, in my opinion, at least in my lifetime. And it's, it's, it's only extrapolated since it's only elevated since because we know the chiefs had super bowl success very early they've had tons of playoff success very early and so the standard has very much changed and that doesn't change when it comes to training camp and with all the influx with all the things in motion with all the new players in place i was expecting a little bit of a different vibe today when i walked up that hill and and stood there and watched this team but i'm gonna be real with you guys i felt a very calm presence at at camp today and and during that practice. In fact, I felt that the team was extremely loose. Now, we we pay attention to the veterans. Obviously, we all love watching Patrick Mahomes do what he does in practice and woos the crowd and does cool things, which he did. It was really fun to watch. Travis Kelsey is always, you know, great. He's great with the fans. But today I focused on the new guys. And I'm not just talking about the rookies. I'm not just talking about the guys that have never, you know, that that are starting their NFL careers. I'm talking about guys that are new to the Chiefs. I'm talking about Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm talking about MVS. I'm talking about Leo Chanel. I'm talking about uh, Brian Cook. I'm talking about Justin Reed. I'm talking about all these guys, free agents, 
rookies, whatever the case may be. I wanted to watch and see what they were all about today, what their focus was, what their intent was, where their intensity was. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was very impressed. I really liked the approach of practice today from the new guys. Because, again, we know what to expect when it comes to the guys that have been here for years. We know the core pieces are always going to come here hell-bent and, and set on what they're going to do. We saw Chris Jones, and we saw his intensity. We saw the way that these veteran players came and brought it. And, and, and it all centers around, in my opinion, what I've been talking about, the theme of this year for me, and it's coaching staff. We know that Matt Nagy came back this year. We know that Eric Bieniemy is still here for a fifth year. We know that Steve Spagnuolo is now here for a fourth year. And Andy Reid, this is his tenth season. There is such a, a balance. There is such a calmness that this, this, this coaching staff, I feel, is bringing to this young team. And I, and I talked about this actually with Shaggy, Shane, and Clay on the way to practice today. I was like, you guys imagine if Andy Reid would have retired like after last season, after that horrific loss to the Bengals in the AFC Championship, how much different things would feel and how much different we would feel about moving forward. Sure, we'd be still confident about Patrick Mahomes and what this team can do with him at the helm, but not having that head coach, not having that, in my opinion, the best coach in football, not having him there after something like that, along with all the new pieces, I, I, can't, I can't imagine that it would feel the same way. And so... Uh, you know, like I said, I didn't, I didn't really pay attention to the veterans and the way they were doing things because I think they already have it. And I want to say also that Jody Fortson looked really, really good today. Um, I loved, I loved what I saw from him. I will, I did report it on Twitter uh, that he actually, as soon as he made this one great catch down the field, he actually walked very slowly to the medical tent with the with the medical staff, and then he ended up getting carted off about 15, 20 minutes later. The hamstring. Okay, I saw him looking at his right leg. I didn't know if they were looking at his quad or whatever it was, but they had to walk him back up. I'm hoping I'm for the best. I'm just glad it's not a ligament or anything like that. Yeah, I, I really am too. But like I said, the, 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 the calm vibe is what kept me calm in that moment because I'm like, damn it, man, I really hope that Fortson doesn't get hurt before he's out the gate You know, because he really he's worked his ass off to get back from that Achilles tear. And so I really liked what I saw from him. But I'm going to tell you guys right now, man, um, when it comes to the new guys, the first thing I wanted to bring up was Juju Smith-Schuster and how he, to me, has become such a fan favorite already. Like, when he came down the hill, obviously the crowd was, Juju, you know, whatever. You know, he runs down the entire line just high-fiving like Happy Gilmore when he started learning how to putt. I mean, he was just crowd-pleasing, doing fan service, the whole nine. And that's cool in itself. But he was making plays again in practice. And if we've seen anything from the film pre in previous practices, Patrick Mahomes and him are already in lockstep, man. You see. this. It, it almost pisses me off, though, because Juju should have been here a year ago. Yeah. And that's what I would have loved to have seen is Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Juju Smith-Schuster on the same damn team. Yeah. That would have been unbelievable. And, yeah, McCole did throw in the mix. And so I loved what I saw from him. He was getting more downfield throws, downfield catches. He, he looked sharp at his route running. He looks in incredible shape. He's entering the prime of his career. It would not shock me at all, if all at all, and I've been saying this for a while, and I don't have to wait till the prediction show to say this, that, that Juju Smith-Schuster has a career year. I, I really do believe he's going to get wide receiver one opportunities in this offense. I know MVS, I'm going to talk to him, talk about him in a second. I know other guys are going to get their opportunities, and obviously Travis Kelsey's the juggernaut and the heartbeat of this offense, but Juju Smith-Schuster to me is a guy that I saw do some great things already in practice. I would not be shocked if he elevates that in, in actual games. Um, but then I then I looked at MVS, and, and, and I was paying attention, like I said, very closely to these guys because I knew what MVS was in, in Green Bay. He never won me over. I didn't think he was a great wide receiver by any means. I kind of feel like he is what he is, a guy that's going to give you five to 600, and seven, 600 to 700 yards, you know, three to five touchdowns, you know, a guy that gets a 75-yard bomb every few weeks. You know, that's the kind of guy he 
is. But I see, and he because he hasn't bought me over. He hasn't bought me. I, I, he hasn't won me over yet. But what matters the most is him winning over Patrick Mahomes, and that is what he's done. MVS has 100% got Patrick Mahomes. I see it in just the, the, the instincts of their plays. You can just tell they, they that, that practice in the Mahomes camp a couple months ago down in Texas really is paying dividends with their chemistry. And I really, really like the fact that although we lost Tyreek and we all talked about it, losing him, you can't replace him. But I think with just these two guys alone, you're going to see an offense that moves as fluidly as we've ever seen here in Kansas City. It may not be as dynamic. I don't think it will be. But I think there's no, there's no longer that pressure and expectation to get Tyreek Hill the ball 10 to 12 times a game. Now it's who's open. Who do I want to throw to? Who am I picking the poison with this time? And I love the mentality that Juju and MBS's veteran players coming here and for the first time are bringing to this team. Um, and... and and, and here's the here's my favorite part of prop practice today, guys. When it came to guys that have art that have actually been here, so I'm kind of lying here. I did pay attention to somebody else, but it was really hard not to pay attention to it. Was the fact that Clyde Edwards Hilaire was getting the ball out of the backfield a ton today. I saw at least five or six receptions for him outside out of the backfield. And this was against eleven on elevens. This wasn't seven on sevens. This was when teams were lined up neck and neck to each other. Yeah. And this dude was getting the ball out of the backfield. He looked quick. He looked healthy. I don't even know why he was on the pup list to begin with a couple days ago because he went off it the next day. Precautionary. Yeah, I get it. And so now he's back, and now I think I think finally the Chiefs are utilizing their their 2020 first round pick the way they should have two years ago. And it's really frustrating to see that it's taken this long for them to finally. And hopefully this isn't just some flash in the pan training camp uh, facade. I really hope they're going to start utilizing him like that because of the fact that he is the he is the premier back of this team. I love Rojo. I saw him out there today. He looked good. He looked yeah. good. He did get a couple good runs. I think right now they're just like I said. He's playing with the second string team. I think he that's how it's going to start until Clyde gets inevitably hurt or something like that goes down Clyde will probably win this job at the beginning but I loved what I was seeing out of what they were doing with Clyde I think they'll be a tandem similar to, to Cleveland because I think Cleveland like the way they ran it with yeah with, with you know with Chubb and and and, uh, and, and Kareem I think that's what we're going to kind of see but both obviously they both can catch the ball too as well but Rojo is very prototypically he's built his that prototypical kind of like banger body similar to a Kareem Hunt you know, good goal line guy. I think he's going to have more rush attempts this year than Clyde. Yeah. I do. I think Clyde's going to have more overall touches just with pass catching and all that because um, he's a guy you can even spread out wide on a five, you know, set. But, yeah, I, I, I was interested to see your take on Rojo because I haven't seen much film on him and out of practice or anything like that. So Clyde was getting a lot of touches today. Isaiah Pacheco, Pacheco, Pacheco got a lot of third string and fourth string uh, uh, movement. Mm -hmm. I, I will say about Pacheco, I did have some notes on him today. This dude is so fast, and I really right. do like – I love his attitude. He's a very, like, smiley, like, really good-looking dude that's just, like, ha happy to be out there. You can just tell he's just vibrant kind of guy, which yeah. is always good to have on your team. I I'm not so sure that he's – a good running back yet because even in his college days he was averaging less than four yards a rush i could see us using him in like maybe kick returns or punt returns that's what i was too. gonna say i think yeah. he's gonna be more of like a gunner type on the kind defense like special Davis. teams and then yeah and then maybe get some kick kick, return, kick returns uh maybe even potentially punt returns he was back there at special yeah. teams today nice. so that's where i'll leave as speed. i said i like his speed mm -hmm. and we all know andy reed loves guys like that um and 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 uh, a guy that i was big on uh today i'm actually gonna slide and and, and cut right to his um, this this running back slash wide receiver the Chiefs have right now, undrafted guy named Jerry and Ely. Yeah. Jerry and Ely was I mean, he was lighting it up today. I heard a lot about it. I was him. so I saw him coming off the field. I was like, 29, let me look this guy up because I had I had heard they had added a fourth running back. Mm -hmm. Or a fourth running back rather. Hybrid and, guy. Yes, yep. and he was an undrafted player. I was like, 
dude, this 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 guy looks like he has like an NFL body and he moves like an NFL player. It looked like NFL speed. What's his profile? Like what is easy? I think he's he's 5'10, 190 pounds. Like Jamal Charles. Yeah, size. he's just not he's not big, but he's not small. And so I when he would catch the ball, he had such his hip movement was so good. His footwork Fluid. was so good. I don't know if he's gonna make the team mm. just because of the guys ahead of him. Like Clyde's gonna get every opportunity deep. in the world. Rojo's obviously brought in here for a purpose. We know McKinnon's gonna make the team because he's just a productive player. And then you obviously have like uh, Derek Gore who got plenty of opportunities today. Isaiah Pacheco got plenty of opportunities. So I'm thinking he's more of a special uh, or uh, um, uh, a practice squad player. Mm -hmm. And if somebody goes down, he'll move up, things of that nature. But it's going to be really difficult for him to move up beyond some of these other guys. Uh, but let me let me get some to a couple defender a, little, a couple defenders here because this is something that I wanted to uh, make apparent because I feel that we get so caught up on the offensive players, which is natural, which is understandable because you see more of a. A, a genuine highlight of what they can do. Yeah. For, and, uh, the, the defenders, they can't blow guys the up. They can't make big, big plays a lot of times. Like, you can pick a ball off here and there, but a lot of times it's just Patrick experimenting with routes and concepts yeah. and things of that nature. So you can't, like, buy into that too much. But I have to say, man, Leo Chanel is an absolute specimen. This dude looks like a granite boulder Carved into a human form. He's huge, man. He's he six move. foot two, yeah. 261 pounds. He's already got an interception. Came and already. seeing him in person, like, it blew me away. It looked like a pale Rock Johnson. That's He's what huge. it looked like. Yeah. It looked like. It looked like the Rock Johnson lived in space for 20 years and came back, had no sunlight, and he was like, hey, I'm back. You know, that's what he looked like. I'm not over-exaggerating. What Leo Chanel, how fast he was on the field, how physical he was, like, it was so cool to witness a rookie look that like well adapted, well adjusted to the NFL game. I don't know like what his level of production will be this season. I don't even know how they're going to utilize him. I have no idea. All I do know is that you this defense. I can just tell you guys with all certainty, just seeing it with my own eyes, just one practice. That's all I needed to see. This defense is so much more physically and athletically gifted than they were just a year ago. For sure. It's unbelievable. Like the the cornerbacks, they they had some, I can tell they're gonna have some growing pains. I think there's gonna be some times where they Coverages. look like rookies. Yeah. But that's natural. And and Shane asked me on his show today, and you guys can watch that as well. Go on uh, YouTube and go look up Shaggy Shane KC. Um I, I mentioned, because he asked me the question about that. He kind of made a comparison to the 2008 Chiefs with Herm Edwards and how they had Brandon Flowers, who was a rookie, and Brandon Carr, who was a rookie, starting at their cornerback positions. And and if if I can see something similar, I do see something similar here. Because of the fact that I think McDuffie is one of those guys that is a day-one contributor, and you have Legereus Sneed over there, you have other players over there that can make those impacts, impacts immediately. And I think with Brian Cook and Juan Thornhill and, and Justin Reed in the back of those cornerbacks with the safety helper, Rashad Fenton, I think that you're going to have yourself a, a real packed punch here from the secondary. Because as I've said on previous episodes, I really do believe the intent behind how the Chiefs built their defense this season was building it through the secondary, kind of like the Legion of Boom with Seattle. And they weren't a great team at getting to the quarterback. They were good, but they weren't great. They were more known to stopping your pass attack. I think that's what this team's going to look like. And I really think guys like Leo Schnell, Brian Cook, and guys like that are going to be the ones that really help elevate that level. And I think Juan Thornhill, quite frankly, because what I've been hearing he's actually a guy that's been leading the pack it hasn't been justin reed it hasn't been these other guys it's been one thornhill guys have been going to because he's, he's the longest, longest tenured yeah. safety in this team right now and that's that's high praise for him to get this opportunity especially on a on a uh, one-year deal prove it deal essentially for him to get his next contract wherever he might go so all in all i was very i was very very pleased with all these guys i really liked what i saw from camp i'm very happy about it but what i want to talk about the most when it comes to camp the thing that i cannot help but ignore I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. 
Sky Moore is going to be special in this league. I'm telling you guys right now, and you can mark this. I don't know if there's a more talented receiver on this team right than Sky Moore. Yeah. His his off the line burst, his footwork, it's I mean, it's, it's not Tyreek. His contested catch rate is But it's it's like Tyreek light. I mean, I'm I know that is high praise, guys. I get it. Trust me. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here. He's undersized, but he's extremely physical, great hands. Man, you could tell the corners were fearing him. Like they were like I can't tell you how many times I saw flags being thrown because they were holding him. Because his burst off the line is just absurdly quick. And he's East to west, north to south. I mean, it's 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 so much fun, guys. And this dude was already getting throws from Patrick Mahomes. There's a play uh, Clay Windler's going to post later today. I think he might already put it on his Twitter. You can follow him at Clay Windler. He's our producer. Um, where Patrick Mahomes threw the ball about 45, 50 yards deep, and it was going to the end zone where we were at. And it, put, I mean, he put the he put, he kind of underthrew it a little oh, bit, I've seen it. but it hit yeah, it yeah, hit yeah. Sky more like right in the hip, and he brought that bad boy. He burnt. He, he probably burnt four or five defenders by it at least eight to ten yards. Yeah. It would have been I mean, a touchdown if it wasn't yeah. underthrown. And, and so as much praise as I gave our physically and athletically gifted upgraded defense, yeah. that should tell you just how athletically gifted Scott, Sky Moore is because he was blowing by these dudes. Mm -hmm. And it was it was fun to watch. And the best receiver against the cover two last, in, the, in the last two years yeah. of college. Too. Yes. So, I mean, he was the highest graded cover two receiver. I'm just trying to prep you draft. guys and everybody else out here. Just do not be shocked if Sky Moore makes some impact. I don't know if it's going to be this year. I don't know if he's going to break out this year. Sometimes, most times, that doesn't happen. Especially when you have the, the mouths defeat ahead of him with Juju, MBS, and Travis Kelsey, McCole Hardman, guys like that. Yeah. I'm telling you, though, at one point in this man's career, he's going to emerge. And I, I really, really am excited to know he's going to be a chief when that happens. Yeah. I'm very, very excited about that. I, I know there are concerns. Clay Winler did bring up. Um, I was going to say, what were the concerns? Is there anything the, negative? What I, what, what, and Clay was right about this, is that in the red zone, you saw the Chiefs looked a little clunky, which is pretty on brand because yeah. this, this, this team does struggle in the red zone to score touchdowns a lot of times, especially over the last couple of years. Yeah. I think it's because they try to get a little too crafty, a little Behind too creative, a little too cute. But you could tell there was a couple times Patrick would have gotten sacked. Uh, he threw a couple of incomplete passes. Guys weren't getting open. Things of that nature. Now you got to give credit to the defense because they did lock down. Yeah. But you could tell. Now what I will defend them on is some of the movements, some of the formations, some of the plays they were running. I hadn't seen before. Well, of course. Um, so I, I think they're running new stuff. So that that could, maybe they're just a little off kilter a little bit. They don't. You know, the, the chemistry isn't down yet with some of these plays. All year last year though. And again, there's a lot of new pieces. You're talking about what four or five new pieces on the offense alone. Yeah, and, and they don't have their starting left tackle right now. Let's be real. And that's another point I wanted to make, and I'm going to hand it off to you guys. Because everybody, I, I had at least five, six people ask me at, at, at camp today, do you think Orlando Brown Jr. is going to be back before week one? Guys, I, I'm, I'm here to bring some calm here because I'm telling you guys he will be back within the next week to two weeks. He will be back before the Bears preseason game, which is the first one. I believe that's on the 15th of August. I am fully anticipating that Orlando Brown Jr. will be back. And why I'm okay with things being the way that it is because of the fact he's making a statement. You're seeing the difference between whatever they would throw out there at left tackle without him and what he is to this offense. And because of how pivotal this season is for him. Because if he has a great season, like I've said in previous episodes, he has a great season. The Chiefs significantly benefit off that. And then he's going to monetarily significantly benefit off that. He's going to make himself some big buck either here in Kansas City or with another team. I think it's going to be here in Kansas City. And because of the fact that I have not seen Joe to at left tackle at all and I've seen I've seen Andrew Wiley at left tackle I saw Roderick Johnson at left tackle I saw Darian Card with the second team at left tackle that tells me 
that they know that in, in good time, in due time, Orlando Brown Jr. will be back. He will be playing for this team. He will be there week one, and we will not be worried about this anymore. And I do believe he's going to have a, a, re, a career year because we saw a couple months ago, we talked about all the other guys that showed up to Mahomes camp in Texas. You know who else was out there? Orlando Brown Jr., and he was in shape. I have a hard time believing that Orlando Brown Jr., knowing how significant this season is for his own career and his own money, would be in shape two months ago and then not be in shape now. I have a hard time believing that. I'm very confident. Again, I will not defend him and what you guys have talked about, and I talked to Shane and Clay about this as well. I will not defend him and what he did with his agency or getting an agent. That was inexcusable. I didn't like that at all, getting it four weeks before the deadline. I did not like that, and I didn't like the choice, quite frankly. Nevertheless, I am very, very confident that we're going to see him in the early stages of August. I think it's going to be between August 5th and August 10th. He'll be back, and then he'll play in the Bears game, and then he'll be ready for the season. He'll be in shape, and he's going to have a career year. All in all, though, guys, camp was very fun. It was a lot of fun, honestly. I had a great time meeting a lot of new people out there, seeing old faces. This team, though, and, and the vibe they gave off, the coaching staff gave off. Matt Nagy out there playing drills with the guys, you know, like the pole drill with the guns. Miss they were doing that with the footballs. And Matt Nagy was throwing. He looked great. He, I mean, he was a CFL MVP, so that makes sense. Yeah. It's just the, the vibe I got from this team. They were relaxed. They were poised. They didn't feel – there was no pressure. It wasn't like a tension. It looked like everybody gets along. Really. Clyde's out there making the crowd laugh. Like, it was just so cool. And I don't want to over-exemplify that and make it sound like everything's just peachy keen. This team's going to have problems mm. but i think this team's prepared for a big time season i think they're prepared for the challenge they have for the first seven eight weeks of this season and i think they're going to take it on so trevor i want to get your thoughts on just kind of what you've been hearing because i know you guys been your guys ears have been on the floor as far as what you've seen and heard from camp wanted to get your guys thoughts on some of these ideas also that i've, I've brought out to, uh, to the show as well yeah i mean just just to address the low-hanging fruit of uh, you know sky Moore and um you know hearing about a lot about him and seeing the, the clips of him making these difficult catches and these diving catches along with Juju making these diving catches and all the effort they're showing at camp. Um, that's going to translate onto the field. I fully believe that. Nah, I mean, Juju going off is not a surprise to me at all. I mean, that's why we wanted him here. And I fully, I've always been a Juju believer and a Juju truther. Uh, I wanted him here last year very badly. I wanted that to happen. I think he's a great fit with Mahomes. I think their styles mesh really well. So I'm excited to see. He's for sure 100% going to be the wide receiver one this season. He's going to get so much work. Um, he's going to put up some crazy numbers. I agree with you. I think a career year is imminent. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, just seeing what I've been seeing on Twitter, I know I'm not there. You were there today. But I know um, just from what I've been seeing as far as um, the receivers getting work, MBS looking good, MBS catching short slants and taking him to the crib, uh, uh, and seeing his speed and his burst ability, uh, getting him involved a little more than he probably would be in, in, uh, you know, with the Packers. Um, I, think, I think, like I said from the very beginning, is the day – the day we signed him, I put that out there on my social media saying that Chiefs fans are going to become fans of MVS very, very quickly because he's going to be a highlight reel kind of guy. He's going to be a very big play kind of guy, kind of how early McColl was when he had that, that double-digit touchdown year and he was just blowing up and getting big plays and huge chunk plays. I think that and more. I think he's got more abilities just with his height and his ability to get up and get certain balls um, and catch the short slants and be able to do the, you know, the jet sweeps and in-round plays and wheel route stuff. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be utilized in a lot of different ways with that speed, along with McColl. I think that's just a deadly duo, those two guys out there with Juju. Uh, and then Sky Moore being the X Factor, a guy that's going to just grow behind all these guys and maybe you know absolutely burst out this that following season. But um, the offense is easy to talk about, man. I, I was interested to see what what, uh, um, what you saw out of Rojo. That was, one of, that was going to be one of my questions, just because I haven't heard much about Rojo. Um, nothing really exciting. I, I, Clyde's been getting raving reviews on how he's been looking and everything like that. And yeah. Looking like he's got good burst. 
He's uh, looking faster. Yeah. That's what I want to see. Well, that's never been that's never been a, a, that, a real I mean they said that he's looked slow in the past, so that's yeah. what I wanted to see him kind of take that next step in his, his agility. His breakaway and, speed has kind of yeah. always been a problem. But he's always had good bursts as soon as he gets the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but making the first guy miss has been an issue. He gets tackled too easily sometimes in the backfield or making the first guy miss in the line of scrimmage. Health is his biggest concern. Yes. And we all know he's talented. We've all seen his tape. We all know what he was capable of, even his rookie year. You know, maybe some people might consider it underwhelming. The dude balled out in his rookie year. And over 1,100 yeah. total yards. Right. So, I, I yeah. mean, in this offense, I think he, the, the, the sky is the limit for this guy. As long as he can stay healthy and he can be the RB1, which I think Rojo is going to be the RB1 as far as carries, but I think they're going to both get the ball a ton this season. Um, but yeah, so I was I was just wanting to hear about Rojo and see how he was doing because I, I love that development. We brought him here for a reason. I think he's gonna be the short yardage guy. Um, I think he's got a lot of talent, a lot of strength. The dude runs anger, angry, yeah. and I love yeah. that about him. Um, so I was ex- wanting to see about him. As far as the defense goes, I know it's hard to kind of judge defenses. On, it's much harder to judge defenses from the camp side. Yeah, they don't even have pads on yet. Yeah, so. you really don't. Even in preseason, it's difficult because a lot of guys are trying not to get hurt. Um, but we have so many new names and guys trying to make names for themselves. Um, Cook, I was definitely interested to see how Cook was doing as far as making plays. But that guy's like one of those guys that will lay you out. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's hard to go out there and camp and start making enemies to your teammates because you're bruising them. Yeah. Uh, so you can't get away with that. But um, uh, McDuffie, what about McDuffie? Have you seen much about I know he's been in the yes. right place at the right time a lot of times. And he actually, I saw a few plays where he was actually lined up against Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. And I really was interested about that. Now, the, the, the tricky part about those plays is a lot of those plays were like dump-off screens that were on the opposite end of the field. Mm-hmm. So he didn't really get a like match-up, match-up with Travis. I think probably more for Travis Kelsey to get his yeah. feet back under him. I will corner, say this. I, I really like the way that McDuffie rotates his hips. When guys are adjusting on their routes, mm. he was very quick to that. He did get burned a couple times. But, again, like, this is the time for that to happen. Yeah. Well, like I said, man, when we talked about my, my the him being my biggest concerned player with the draft capital that we gave him to get him. And, yeah. You know what I mean? To go get a corner, that's 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 a lot. That's a high investment for a cornerback. Um, and that was my biggest concern. You know, And there's going to be moments this season where he's going to let us down. That's just how it is, man. New corners, new defensive players like that, especially in the – secondary in a, in a pass first pass heavy league nowadays guys are going to let you down there's gonna be moments where they look foolish he gets burnt by a, you know a veteran or an elite receiver in this league that's just that's going to happen the best of the best get burnt you know what i mean Jalen ramsey has been burnt embarrassed numerous times so i mean i just don't want people to overreact i believe in mcduffie i really do um but i don't want people to you know get overreactive with certain things with him he's there's going to be moments like that this season this is a tough schedule but yeah um Sky Moore uh, offensively was the guy I was, I was curious about the most to see if he was coming to his own. I know I I loved the pick. I forgot he was on the board when we picked him. I thought he was already gone. That's why I was ecstatic when we got him. Um, so I'm a huge fan of him already. I think he is the future of this team. I think he's the future wide receiver one for, for many years to come. Uh, and I do agree with you. I think the impact, I'm not going to say he's Tyreek. I, I know you gave that comparison right away, and that's, that's, that's confidence on your end just from what you've seen in person. I do think he is going to have a similar impact, though. I think he's going to be a very dynamic player in this offense for years. I think he's the future of this offense, uh, and I'm very confident. I know we haven't seen any real games of him yet, but just from watching his film and knowing what he, uh, his capabilities of beating certain covers that we've struggled against uh, is going to be very, very uh, important. Um, so that's really all I, I – this Rojo, Sky Moore, McDuffie, those are like my three guys I wanted. Karloff, as I expect, he's going to go – I heard he's been relentless at practice. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm exce- excited about that. And Leo Chanel was literally my guy when we talked about the guy I'm most confident in yeah. the defense. Yeah. That's the guy. That's that's the guy I'm most excited to see this year. Similar to how I was with uh, 
with Bolton last year. Um, so, yeah, all good things, man. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. Uh, the most I've heard about this uh, this offseason during training camp is uh, Juju and MVS and the connection they already have with Patrick Mahomes. I'm so stoked for that. I can't. I, I've seen some of the highlights that they've they, they done in the past couple of days with Juju making those diving catches, like Trevor was saying. MVS, uh, you know, making those those catches, then taking them home. Uh, and then obviously you got Sky Moore, who, who can come in here and just he can easily be a a, a wide receiver three, compete for Michael Harmon. If 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 what they're saying straight, uh, what they're what they're saying that uh, is true out of training camp right now, he could we we can easily see a competition between him and Michael Harmon. Getting those uh, wide receiver three uh, catches and you know use them for different things, so I'm excited for that. The 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 other one I've been hearing a lot also is the the, the corner that we drafted uh, Johnson. I think uh, I've been hearing a lot about him. I don't know if you you were able Joshua, to see Joshua. Joshua, you talking about Joshua Lonnie Williams? Johnson? No, you talking about Joshua Williams? Oh, Joshua Williams. Yeah, 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 my bad, my bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I don't know if you heard anything yes. about it. He's on the field a lot, and he's on the fr- field with the first team too. And this is now, I think, the, the third. Not out there right now, is he? No, I don't. No. I haven't seen so him. He's probably. Been I think he's. I think he's role. actually hurt right now. Yeah. Um. But no, Joshua Williams has been getting first team reps. Now it could be circumstantial, but what I've been seeing from him too, he did get burned a couple times this, today as well. But what I'm seeing from him is he looks like a veteran. That's what I like about this guy. He's got that presence about him where he understands the the assignment. It doesn't look like it's too big for him. The it's moment's composed. too big. Very composed. And I really, really like him. And I know that coming out of the draft, people were talking about this guy like, oh, this is this is the dude. Like, this is a guy you yeah. you guys are going to see this year because he, he's one of the taller cornerbacks in the draft. Like, he was a late pick, but everybody was big on him. I now see why. He's mm-hmm. physical. He's strong. He's quick, durable, able to switch up, able to make up, gain gain ground if he's burnt. That's what I liked about it. He didn't give up on plays. It didn't look like the moment was too big. So that's something I really much, very much like. Something you just pointed out about MVS and Juju that I wanted to tackle on a little bit too is the fact that, again, you're not going to ever replace the skill set and ability of Tyreek Hill. But I don't think there's any question, and I'm being serious, I don't think there's any question this is going to be a much more complete nucleus and core of wide receiver talent because of the fact that if you go back to last season, and now you're hearing the the stuff coming from Tyreek Hill on his podcast and other other interviews, it's pretty evident that the goal was to just get him fed to shut him up. They didn't want him talking. They didn't want him being a distraction. And from what we had heard, the reports were that he was texting Drew Rosen. I was like, after every yeah, game last year, bitching and complaining about not getting yeah. the ball enough, even though he got 152 targets, which is the one of the most in the NFL last season. Yeah. The Outside of like the, the, Cooper the, Cup, I think he had the most targets in the league. Well, as far as depth goes in this, I just want to say, this, yeah, as far yeah. as depth goes in this receiving core, the Demarcus Robinson role is now Sky Moore. Thank you. Think about that for a second. Thank so, you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. It's wild, dude. Yeah. So maybe there was a... The Chiefs were struggling a little bit because they were forcing the ball to Tyreek. There was it? no fluidity. Yes, yeah. that's exactly so, right, Eddie. So it could be a blessing for the Chiefs. I know it's it's fucked up to say, and it, but but I, it, I think it could be a blessing to get uh, that we got rid of uh, Tyreek Hill because of what it was becoming in in the. Uh, it almost sounds like sacrilege. It almost sounds like sacrilege to say that like it's better off without him. Because in all honesty, if I knew we could have kept Tyreek Hill, I'm keeping Tyreek. Yeah, Hill. I, think yeah. I, think I think I think our deficiencies at the time was was a combination of. Yes, we were probably trying to get him the ball and to, to keep him pleased yeah, or whatever. But I think he also struggled as well as Mahomes. I think he also struggled yeah, but, against cover two. Yeah, the thing the thing I don't about, think Tyreek's very good against cover yeah. two coverage and finding the, the spots to get open. 
I, I, I really think he struggles against that. And I think and Mahomes was simultaneously struggling against it well as well. And I think there was a little tension between the two trying to get him the ball and force him. And that, that's where the mistakes were made a lot of times in the cover two. And that's why I, I believe in Sky Moore because he was the highest rated cover two uh, wide, receiver in college. wide receiver in the draft, in this yeah. year's draft. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of talented guys in this draft. And he was number one like easily. You know what I mean? So I think there's just going to be a difference. There's going to be more of an efficient flow to this offense rather than trying to feed yeah. one guy that's going to be. And, and that's why I think if if, uh, if the things that are, they're saying out of training camp are true about Sky Moore, I, like I said, we are going to see a competition between him and Mikko Harmon for that wide receiver three. Yeah. yeah. And we don't be surprised. Totally don't, yeah. Don't be surprised if the Chiefs kind of go for that Sky Moore kind of route because it, the defense is not going to stop playing that cover two because they know it, it was successful successful last season. So we know the defense this year is going to go into that cover two against the Chiefs. And if Sky Moore can give you more than what Miko Harmon can give you in that cover two, we'll see more Sky, Sky Moore. I will say this. Uh, on the way there, Clay Winler did say something that was interesting. He, well, I, I agreed with him. Is he said that he believes that Sky Moore is the better receiver between him and McCole Harmon, which I will agree to. Of course. The problem is is that obviously we just we haven't seen, like Trevor said, Sky Moore in actual gameplay yet, whereas we have seen McCole Harmon. Far, by far more polished. What I will say, point. though, is yeah. I can already tell that the Chiefs are going to give McCole Harmon a lot of opportunities to produce this year, even more so than ever before, mm. because they were also doing something that I've never seen them do with McCole Harmon. He was running the Wildcat. I love it. It was wild. It was really cool because the fact that I've never seen a player that. as fast as him run the Wildcat. I love it. I love yeah. the Wildcat. I remember, yeah, remember a, was it kind of a lost art. Was it Cadillac Jones, whatever he was, or Ronnie Brown and those running backs with Miami when they started doing the Wildcat? Like, they're, they were good running backs. They were kind of quick or whatever. Well, and the Wildcat, Nicole Hardman. The Wildcat op- option, too, where you can flea flicker it That's what I'm back saying. to Patrick Mahomes, too, if he's, if he's yeah. that deep. I'm they would have, they had Patrick Mahomes running to the left, running to the right, and then McCole would inbound it from, from the cornerback uh, position and just, like, figure something out. I like that stuff, but I don't want to see it too much. But the point I'm trying to make is this. The ball is going to be in McCall, hand, McCall Hardman's hands this year. Of course. Gimmicky, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. This man's going to get the ball because we all know, and we've seen it in regular season games. We've He's seen dynamic. it in playoff games, especially the, the greatest game ever that we've all talked about, the Bills. Who scored one of the most pivotal touchdowns in that game? McCall Hardman yeah, on yeah. what? A weird jet sweep play. He's dynamic. Busted dude. through that left yeah, side yeah. and got a touchdown. Dove into the end zone. One of the most epic plays of the game that and people seem his, to forget about. Confidence. He was oozing when he was on. Uh, was it uh, uh, NFL or um, uh, that football show? Oh, God, he was on. I think it was on one of the ESPN or NFL Network shows. I can't remember what it was, but he was talking about. Yeah, talking about he's bragging about himself, how his speed. And he's this guy. He has a. I love that kind oh, of confidence. Oh, he was dripping in swag today, fellas. Yeah. Let me just put it like that. Coming down that hill and all throughout practice, he was all over. And, and what's moment, cool man. is we're seeing the transition of him becoming one of the leaders of the team. Mm. Because he's, he's still young. He's only 24 years old. Like, and it's wild to think he's the longest percent. He's the longest tenured Chiefs receiver, and he's only 24. Oh. So he's like a veteran presence, but he's still so young and, and like go, becoming the player he's supposed to be. And if he goes off this year, we're 100% paying and keeping his ass here. I, you know, that's, that's, that's going to be an interesting he's conversation. No, because. I, 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 I would be shocked. Market, I, I, go ahead, market, go ahead. The market has changed. I get it. I, I think it's going to come down to what Sky Moore produces. I think. Well, he's on it, a rookie contract, though. No, I get it, but it. Who, who would you? He's rather, talking about leverage. Yeah, I, I think. It, who am I going to keep, Miko Harmon or uh, Sky Moore? You know what I mean? Like, am I going to pay Miko Harmon extra big money, or should I stay with Miko and pay the money to NBS? Uh, well, I know he's staying for two years, but he's Juju's on a one-year deal. But I'm saying. Years. But I'm saying Juju. Yeah. Like, who, who am I? Am I going to spend it on Juju or am I going to spend it on Miko? Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I got Sky Moore, who 
ball designed. And you gotta think these are the kind of conversations that evolve over the season. Though. But yeah. a McCole Hartman, that's yeah, because you're right. That's like way way ahead. No, 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 but no. but yeah, no, I get injuries. it. McCole is the type of guy because he's in the same category as like a Christian Kirk, mm-hmm. where they're burners that can make those big plays. And you saw how he got paid by a bad team, the Jaguars. That's the kind of scenario I see happening with McCole. I see like the Giants, like next year. Hey, we'll pay you eighteen million a year. I could see it happening because if McCole has a really good year this year, where he has like nine hundred and forty yards and seven touchdowns, mm-hmm. Chiefs get to another Super Bowl. Or Atlanta. I don't think teams. the Chiefs are going to pay McCole Hartman, even yeah. with the money going up like it is. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to realize we got five years out of McCole Hartman. It's a win-win you, yeah, like, and I agree with Eddie. And I agree with Eddie. If it came down to it, and I think you would agree too, Trevor. If it yeah. came down to McCole or Juju, they're picking Juju. Juju is the better receiver. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. not I even a question. More, but I'm saying there, there is a way I think where he goes off this year. We can possibly tag him, depending. We could tag him. No, we can. But that's gonna be expensive. That's gonna be expensive. I get that, but we could, we could tag him depending on what we do with Orlando Brown. Money's movable. Frank Clark will be off the books. MBS has one more year where we actually have to pay. Him. Yeah. Same if with he, Justin Reed. Same with Justin Reed. MBS is banged up this year. We can try to negotiate something there. Where, uh, yeah. Some kind of clause. We can move money around and you pay know, both of them. Who's I heard something in interesting today. It's going to be on the defensive side, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. I don't remember who I heard it from yesterday, but it was somebody that was talking about how this could be like a last hurrah for some of these uh, defensive players because I think in 2023, this defensive line is going to be significantly different. I think there's a really good chance this is too. Chris Jones' last year. Oh, I, the defensive line? Or the defensive oh, line. Defensive I line. Offensive line. I, no, no. I think this is like a last <laughs> hurrah, and this is where I want to segue bringing in the Carlos Dunlap conversation. Okay, yeah. Because if you guys missed it, and I hope you didn't, the Chiefs got Carlos Dunlap. Love now, it. this is a guy, just just let me preface all this, was a guy that, first of all, like Trevor did with Sky Moore in the draft, I didn't realize was still available. Yeah, I didn't either. I did not, I did not realize that Carlos Dunlap was still available. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, Carlos Dunlap, for the last three years, has been a better player than Melvin Ingram. And we all wanted Melvin Ingram sure. back. He's been a better player. Healthier, since, too. Since 2011... Carlos Dunlap has the third most quarterback pressures in the league. Okay, he's also only missed four games in the last six seasons. Okay, so he's extremely durable. And the fact that since 2015 has more sacks than Robert Quinn, J.J. Watt, Mario Addison, all these like premier Ryan Kerrigan who just retired and is a Hall of Fame player. But we wanted to. Yes, taken easily. like with yeah. 95 career sacks, dude's gonna probably make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he has more sacks than those guys over the last seven seasons. And J.J. Watt is arguably the greatest defender we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So. For him produces, to have these types of numbers be that durable, going even on the Seahawks defense over last year where it was terrible, was still getting eight and a half sacks on that bad defense. Mm-hmm. That's saying something, man. And adding his versatility, adding him alone, it, it, it paints a scenario for us that is so much brighter than what it was before. Because as I talked about, this defense is going to be built through the secondary. Carlos Dunlap or not, it's still going to be about the secondary. But now... The context changes of how they get to the quarterback, if they can get to the quarterback. Think about it. You were looking at Frank Clark as a premier piece. Yeah. That's no longer the thing. Now, he can be he, a rotational guy. Yes. Yeah. Now, Frank Clark can be a rotational piece. Dunlap can be the starter. He can be the starter on the other edge with Karloftis easing his way into his career. because Karloftis is like an every step and, guy. And you know, who helps, you know who benefits the most off this is Chris Jones. Oh, because now, they're, for the they're first they're time in years, yes, for the first time in years, Dana. he's not going to just get double teamed every time. Mm-hmm. Because people are like, oh, Frank Clark, you get to put the left tackle on him. He'll be clamped. Yeah. No, now you get Karloftis, you get Dunlap, and you get the Frank Clark in a rotational piece with Mike Dana. Like you said, all of a sudden, you have a legitimate pass rush. Is it great? No. But could it be average? Yes. This could be a middle-of-the-pack, 
Pass rushing. What did I say, Trevor? We could be average. No, think about it. That actually excites the shit out of me. If the Chiefs could finish 15th or 16th in sacks this year, they're in the Super Bowl. Why? Because they were 25th or 29th in sacks last year, and they were one bad play from the Super Bowl. That was the only reason the Bengals beat us, because obviously we couldn't get them down. Yeah, and like I said, from 2013 to 2015, the Seahawks had the number one ranked defense, and they never finished more best better than ninth in sacks. So they were never an elite sack team. So what is what does this defense look like right now? Does it look more like the Steelers? No, it looks more like the Seahawks. So I'm and that's high praise because yeah. again they had Prime Richard Sherman, Chancellor Bob. Earl Thomas, they had yeah KJ Wright, Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner, like they had an insane nucleus insane. back there. Yeah. The point, though, is this defense is insanely talented in all three phases now. We're talking about Chris Jones with Dunlap and Karloftis. Then you have Willie Gay, Bolton, Leo Chennault. And then you have uh, uh, Rashad Fenton. You have uh, Juan Thornhill. You have uh, Justin Reed. You have uh, Lonnie Johnson. You have these uh, Brian Cook. Yeah. You have all these safeties in, in the backfield to be that net, that Maybe protection. So just, just on talent and, ex- and athleticism alone, they are significantly upgraded from last year. Because we're talking about Daniel. Sorensen was playing out of necessity. He was playing out of necessity. He's not even on an NFL roster right now. The Saints let him go. So now we're talking about a team that has guys that belong on the field. Not guys that, fuck, man, we have no other choice. All right, Danny, get out there. You went to BYU. Like, that's that's no longer the case. We have guys out there that are on rookie deals, young, freakishly talented guys that are taking those roles on. And what I love so much about the Carlos Dunlap signing is the, is the, the narrative of how motivated this guy is going to be. You know, he 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 he, opt, he wanted out of Cincinnati, and he got he got his way. He got out of Cincinnati after Joe Burrow's first year, and then they went to the Super Bowl. You know, and he missed out on that trip and that chance and that opportunity. So yep. you know, that's that's got to be burning inside of him as well. You know, last year was kind of a it was a, he 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 played well last year, uh, had good numbers, um, but he was on a trash team, right? This year he's coming to a true contender, mm-hmm. has a chance to maybe meet the Bengals in the playoffs. You know, and have a chance to redeem himself. That that's interesting. Possible mistake, you know, that he had of leaving Cincy and have that chance to go to the Super Bowl, being on a team that can combat them for Super Bowl odds. Um, so I think he's going to be a highly motivated uh, uh, guy. You know, switching teams yet again and having, and then coming to a true contender of the best team in the AFC, having a chance to showcase his talents. You know, on a, a, a damn near weekly primetime TV because we all know Chiefs always get primetime games yep. even if we don't have them locked up in the regular before the season starts a lot of things can get moved around we've seen that happen so there's gonna be a lot of opportunity for him to showcase his abilities even in, a, in his his older age he's not that old but old enough to where he's a definitely an aged veteran um, but I, that's what I'm excited I love little narratives that give guys a little bulletin material to be that much more motivated let alone going to a contender and playing you know trying to be that you know that that missing piece for a defense you can kind of have that bragging right that you brought that you know that missing formula that we needed on our defensive line, which is facts. We needed a guy like him, and he's a perfect fit. He's cheap. We didn't have to trade for him. You know, he was just sitting out there, and we got him, and he wanted to be a part of this. And uh, I can't wait to see this guy. on. That veteran presence. When Melvin Ingram was signed last season, I was like, this is crucial for, for Chris Jones and, and for the for – the, for the front seven there because now they have that veteran presence, that leader that obviously they all feed off of. And that's exactly what they did. Melvin Ingram came in here, that whole defensive line changed. And I think uh, Dunlap can come in here and, and also make his presence know, be that be that vocal leader that this defensive line needs. Obviously people might say, well, there's Chris Jones there. He, he's the uh, veteran present heir. Uh, he's the, the, the leader of this defensive line. 
we've seen it last season when uh, Tyron Matthew was out for that one game, and it, it became it became Chris Jones that that leader of that pack. He wasn't there. He wasn't. He wasn't yelling. He wasn't. He wasn't being that vocal leader that we needed, and that obviously that Tyron Matthew was. Yeah. So obviously, I don't know what. Maybe Chris Jones is not that those type of guys that's fired up and can get the can get the rest of the team fired up. And I and I do think Dunlop can come in here and be that be that vocal leader. Be like, hey, like get your get your ass out of get your head out of your ass. Yeah. Or, you know, be the, be be what we need in this defense. So. Like I said, when Melvin Melvin Ingram came into this team, th- this defense changed. So yeah. I am really, really excited for this signing, and I hope he can do the same thing, if not better than what uh, Melvin Ingram. And it's putting. This team. Yeah, go ahead, Trevor. Go ahead. I was say, well, Chris Jones is one hundred percent the guy you were, you were saying he could possibly be. He is one hundred percent the hype guy. Everyone knows that, but you need a level headedness of a veteran like a Melvin Ingram, like a Justin Houston, who was great at that when he was here. A guy that when shit's hitting the fan kind of keeps everybody as a collective together, mm-hmm. you know, and poised. Chris Jones isn't that guy. Chris mm-hmm. Jones is the hype guy, and he's very good at getting the crowd involved and everything when, you know, when things or games are tight and we're, we're dominating or we're getting after the quarterback or whatever in big moments. He's good at that, but rallying the troops when things are getting – everyone's backpedaling and everyone's, you know, shook or there's had a big play happen against them or whatever, and they need to recollect themselves. That's who an aged veteran, a guy like a Dunlap, a guy like an Ingram, a guy like a Justin Houston – that's what we've been missing because Frank Clark hasn't been that guy either. As much as as much as I am, I am still a fan of Frank Clark. He's just not that guy. He's just not. He's not a consistent guy on the field or in the locker room. So having a guy like a, a Dunlap, an age veteran that will collect everybody when things are going wrong, that's what we've been missing, right? So that's that's where I think the difference yeah, is between Dun- you, need, you need both dynamics. Dunlap is a significant upgrade from what the Chiefs have had on 100%. the other side of the pass rush for a long. Do you have something, Eddie? Uh, no, just. Josh Allen got into a fight with uh, defensive tackle Jordan Phillips at Bills training camp. Oh, Josh Allen or uh, was it Jordan Phillips? Uh, Jordan Phillips. He probably said 13 seconds or something. We'll he got him that. upset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just saying they have video of them actually going at it. So. That's funny. That's funny. I want to see that video. It, ain't be, it wouldn't be the first time I've seen Josh Allen get beat on a football field. Um, so, <laughs> just 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 to put a, a blanket on that with Carlos Dunlap, I am extremely happy about it. There's nothing to be negative. No no negatives to take away from it. Uh, he upgrades the pass rush significantly. Am I expecting him to be a you know ten to fifteen sack kind of guy? No. But what I am expecting is a collective effort of guys that can get you five to ten sacks. Five to ten sacks. If this team can get back into the forties when it comes to sack totals, mm-hmm. this defense is going to be just fine. And I think if this, this, if and when the secondary really puts it together and makes the pass attack on the opposite side have to work, it's going to give guys like Karloftis an ability to really gain ground and gain traction in his rookie season. And you let Carlos Dunlap and Chris Jones really go to work. Now, I want to say something about Frank Clark because. There's been a lot of discussion about Frank Clark in this in this camp, as you would imagine, because it's it's a very split field and split crowd when it comes to uh, you know Frank Clark and his and the perception that it's around him. Look, I don't want to address the off field stuff with the Uzis and all that shit because apparently that has it just has no bearing on anything. It looks like nothing's ever going to come of that. But I, I I find it funny that folks want to. And I know Eddie had a take on this, and Trevor, you had a take as well, and I want to get your guys on this so we can put it out there on the show. I, I saw pushback on from people that were, were discussing the criticism, or rather the jokes that are out there on Frank Clark, 
And the justification for why those jokes aren't okay is because he's out there with the rookies like Karloftis teaching them some passing edge rush, uh, uh, you know, little nifty, cool secrets or tips. Tom Holly used to do the same shit. Yes. Uh, he used to and, stay and, out of practice. And, and, and yeah. Let me just go out. Let me go ahead and say that it's really cool of Frank Clark to do that. Of course. And I'm not even like trying to be facetious or funny or tongue in cheek. I think it's awesome of Frank Clark to do that because he doesn't have to do that. We've seen on multiple practices, after practice is over, he's over there with the rookies doing that. Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool of him. Mm -hmm. Having said that, the Chiefs didn't pay that man $110 million and trade multiple picks so he can be an extension of the coaching staff. They paid him to get to the quarterback himself and produce. And for the majority of his time here in Kansas City, he hasn't done that. And we need to be able to acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. Now... I find it funny that it's 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 a it's a pick and choose world environment we live in when it comes to who we can make fun of and who we can't. Now it'd be one thing if people were making fun of Frank Clark for helping rookies, because that wouldn't really make any sense. That'd be just kind of weird. Mm -hmm. But when he's not out there playing at the highest level, when he's giving up on plays when the quarterback's right next to him, like he did in Josh Allen in the greatest game we've ever seen, there is a there is a line of criticism that I feel is justified, and it, whether it's humorous or whether it's people just flat out pissed off. To me, it's 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 totally justified because of the fact that again, this, the Chiefs paid him to be a cornerstone piece last season. He was the highest paid defensive lineman in the NFL, mm -hmm. and he had four and a half sacks. He finished ninetieth in the league in sacks last season, and made a million one point four million dollars per game. So I, I'm sorry if it hurts other people's feelings or if they're trying to pander to get an opportunity to get closer to the Chiefs personnel. But we're not doing that here. And if I'm gonna if I'm gonna have a joke about a guy like Frank Clark, if I'm gonna I'm gonna be critical about the man, I'm gonna do that because it's justified. If he played better, if he went out there and actually gave a shit half the time, I'm not gonna attack the guy. I'm not gonna be pissed at him. But when I have to look for him on a milk carton halfway through the season, yeah, I'm gonna call him out. And I don't feel bad about that. I don't care what anybody has to say. Eddie, I know you had some thoughts on this as well. Go ahead and tell me. No, I mean. Um... I got. I I, 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 guess I, I get some of the, some of the points that, uh, I guess, some jokes are, I guess, in a way out of like out of place, out of hand. But, I mean, like I told you, I mean, everybody makes fun of all the players. Uh, everybody jokes about every single player in the field, and I, I, I guess, what some people took, I guess, offense to, was uh, making jokes about him helping out rookies. If that makes sense, and that's not okay in my opinion. Like, yeah, I, yeah. So I, don't think I, right. I think that's what a lot of people took offense to as to like, why are you making jokes of of, of an NFL veteran trying to help these uh, these eventually these kids trying to become better players in the league before the the season even starts? You know, give them the knowledge that uh, that he has. He's an NFL player at the end of the day. Uh, he know definitely knows more about the game than we do. Uh, we we can sit here and say, yeah, we know a lot about the game, but we've never I've never played it professionally. Yeah. So I, I there's there's things that I mean he's teaching these kids that obviously I can't. So I I understand why some people could be upset at at, at those kinds of jokes, but I mean I guess at the end of the day it is what it is. You know? I mean I I I'm of, I'm of the camp where both things are okay. Um, I don't understand why there's got to be camps here. I'm, I'm of the camp of objectivity because both things are objectively true. There's, I mean, this is – it's disrespectful in my mind to pander to someone who's been unproductive 
but pandered to the moral victories that you want to get from him. It's this is all this was. Look, and, and good. I'm I, I'm I'm good with the jokes, and I'm good with him doing these things. I'm good with him people being okay with him doing those things because this is a moral victory. Moral victories are cool, but moral victories are not victories. Right. These don't lead to W's. Right. Um, he's been bad. And I'm a fan of Frank Clark. I still am. I still am a fan of Frank Clark. I was a big fan. And I was. I was one of the. I wanted him here very badly. And he produced that first year. And he was a big part of our one of the greatest moments in my life as a sports fan. The greatest moment of my life. Um, but people, I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a Twitter guy. Self admittedly, I'm not on there a lot, so I don't see a lot of the chatter. I think a lot of it's just bullshit in my mind. A lot of it's just dumb. But people getting their feelings about someone being, because you can zoom in the microscope on what he was doing there with the rookies. And that's great. And it is great. It is good. That's what you want. It's what you want out of your veterans to do. But then you just keep zooming out and you start seeing what his body of work. And then these, that's when the criticism kind of comes in with the whole, it's a pie chart, right? There's a five, there was a sliver on the pie chart where it's 5% of him doing this stuff with the rookie. And then the 95% of the rest of the pie is his body of work since he's been a chief and it's not good. So you got it. There's good and there's bad, right? You got to be objective about the whole thing. If you're getting up in your feelings about someone being critical of Frank Clark, and I think it's more disrespectful to be praising him and over glorifying him in the small things and then ignoring the actual things that matter on the football field. That's disrespectful to me. And not only disrespectful to Frank Clark as far as like ass kissing, but disrespectful to the fans that are have or that are critical of him and him, you know, not producing in the field when the things that actually matter. So both are okay. Right? Moral victories are fine. Him doing that with the rookies is a good thing. Obviously that's good for the morale of the team. That's what you want and out of your veterans. But also what you want out of your veterans is productivity on the football field and good stats. And he hasn't produced that in two straight seasons. So that's a problem. So people being critical of him doing that and being this mentor. It's it's literally no different. Like I put on Twitter because I am on Twitter a lot. Yeah. Uh, I said it's literally no different than me saying, hey, guys, uh, Alex Smith took Patrick Mahomes under his wing in his <laughs> rookie year. So let's just ignore the fact and not acknowledge the fact that the Chiefs went one and four. In the playoffs with Alex Smith, even though they had the 5th, 2nd, 6th, 7th, and 15th ranked defenses in those years. Yeah. Let's just ignore those things. Like like Trevor just said, there's a nuance and balance to all of it. That you can laugh, or not even have to laugh and join in on the joke, but you can acknowledge, like, well, that it's kind of fair. You know, like, that's yes. how it goes. Like, you know, Frank Clark hasn't lived up to his you know, contract. Yeah, jokes are like what? But, comedy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like harsh but, truths? But, you know, it's it's cool, man. He's out there helping Carl Loftus. That's that's pretty freaking awesome. People, you know? don't, people just don't like the timing of uh, the There jokes. was a report also that came out today that Frank Clark uh, humbled himself to Andy Reid and told him that he wants to take more ownership of things, that he's he stopped drinking. He, that he's totally he like... He looks good. He looks Yeah, lean. he's cold turkey. Yeah. No more drinking. That's I'm Dude, that's great. And, I, and I'm with you, Trevor. I'm cheering the man on. Of course. But here's the thing, man. Chief. We are in an opinion business. Everybody on Twitter is on Twitter to do what? Hear other opinions and yes. share their opinions. So when someone chambers. has an opinion on the matter, like I, this is why I've always said that I don't ever want to be somebody that tells fans what to do, what to think, what to feel, what to say. That's not my job. Mm -hmm. My job is is to hear you out and then give you my opinion on a matter. Yeah. Or or me give you an opinion and then hear you say what you have to say about mine. Well, what's worse? I'm not going to tell what's, you what to say. What's worse, being a, a, some, someone who's making a jokes, perhaps maybe not the time that people would like, or being the jokes police? <laughs> if you want to be the joke police, you look pathetic. I'm just right. being honest. I mean, are we going to sit here and get upset about Peyton Manning making that joke about Kevin that's Durant like, the ESPYs? Like, that's, where that's, do we draw the line? That's comedy, Kevin man. Was, Kevin was, I should have went on there and go, man, that's not cool. I'm not here for that at all because Kevin was just trying to better his career. Like, uh, 
We can't laugh about stuff anymore. We can't joke about stuff because a guy does something nice. These athletes are trying very hard. Yeah, both sportsmanship. <laughs> try it. You know, like, what are we doing here, man? Yeah. I just thought that was absurd. And, and There's again, room for both, man. If Frank Clark has a big season, I'm going to be the one giving him a standing Fuck ovation. Yeah. Of course. Because I want to see him do that. Just like when I heard the Chiefs trade for I like him, Frank I was ecstatic because yeah. I saw what he was with Seattle. He had 13 sacks the season before he came to Kansas City. I was stoked as hell. Yep. But he didn't live up to it. I watched Deshaun Watson run his ass over to win a freaking game here in Arrowhead the first season. Yeah. I did see him come alive in the playoffs, which I'm very thankful for. Very grateful for. He he put it on ice and took us to the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And then put it, he, he had the game winning sack all three games that's or the game finalizing sack. That's what's frustrating because we know he has that in him. You know, I mean, that's what we're Where's hoping for Where's that dog year. at, man? Yeah. That, that's what we're sitting here. Let's, let's go get the, what are those guys who let the dogs out? Go, who are those guys? The Baja men? Baja men. Let's get them on the, let's get them in Arrowhead and see if maybe the dog comes out. Because it's, it's not, it hadn't been there in a while. Where's the shark it? at? Where's, yeah. he's just Frank Clark right now. He's not Frank, the shark Who Clark put the right sharks now. in? Like, I want the shark outside, damn it. Sharks are outside animals. Let's uh, get, let's get the. I forgot to ask you, it was like, uh, what about Josh Gordon? Anything, anything? Training he's out there. He's existing. He's um, he he got a couple catches. Uh, he did he he did primarily play with the second and third string teams. Um, I hope Jason Dunn doesn't watch this video. I'm not <laughs> expecting I'm not expecting Josh Gordon to make this team. Damn. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he'll make the practice We're squad deep right now. My receiver talent. Yeah. Man. And last year, you know, the Chiefs kept five receivers. Uh, they kept four tight ends. I think it's going to be roughly the same. And I think that the Chiefs are going to look at probably three running backs. I think they're going to keep four, four to five receivers and then five, four, four tight ends. I really do think all four tight ends can make this team. I was hearing rumors about Blake Bell not making the team. I don't see that. I was going to say, if one of the tight ends don't make it or Jody Fortson can becomes an injury-prone guy, yeah. is there a way where we can transition him to playing like tight end snaps? Well, that's he, what he, he is. is. He's, he's a, a tight end. He's a tight he, end. He is a tight end. That's what I'm saying. Like he, he'll play Josh Gordon. No, no, no. I'm talking about Josh Gordon. I really think if Josh Gordon makes this he's, team, he's tight if Josh Gordon makes this team, it's going to be like a Marcus Kemp type of job. Or he's gonna be on special teams, getting opportunities that way. Mm. I, I did, That's guys, unfortunate. Man. Like we talk about, like you know, Sky Moore getting opportunities. Imagine how much further down the list yeah. Josh Gordon is. Like if he was gonna have his opportunity, if he was gonna shine, it yeah. would have been last year. Yeah. When the Chiefs were looking for that wide receiver too, that legitimate wide receiver too, and we kept talking about that. I still right? think he's gonna be an effective red zone guy, though. I still think he's such a he's such a dynamic side guy and yeah. still very athletically gifted. But yeah, I, my hopes for him are definitely dwindling for sure. Yeah. So to answer your question, he's out there. He looks. He's in incredible shape. I mean, the dude's a chisel. Oh, he's, he's a, a freak. Uh, he was. Really, he's been a little cool with the, the crowd, the fans, and everything. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I. I. I'm not feeling good about Josh Gordon moving forward, just because, like I said, the depth, the guys in front of him. He didn't do anything that stood out. Yeah. I mean, guys like him and Cornell Powell, very fringe. Yeah. Cornell Powell looks like he's in great shape. He made some good catches today as well. Um, but uh, this is a, these are good problems to have. Let me put it like that. Of course. Because Cordell Powell and Josh Gordon, if they make this team, they're on the roster as special teams players. Mm-hmm. That's how good this roster would be. Think about that. Well, it's security, too, for yeah. any injury guy, injured guys. Cordell Powell, he may never become anything in this league, but he's 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 physically gifted. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I just don't know. I, to find their spot in the rotation of wide receivers and playing wide receiver is going to be very difficult. Some injuries would have to occur in order for that to happen. I just, I don't, I'm not optimistic about Josh Gordon or Cornell Powell moving forward, but we'll see. Um, but that, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I saw today. Um, I'm really, guys, I'm, I'm telling you the, the calming presence is what I wanted to, to really encapsulate on this show was to give you guys a little bit of a, a brief synopsis of the feeling, because to me, 
when you have a team like this that has so many moving parts, a lot of times things feel tense, things feel you feel anxious, a lot of questions, a lot of concerns, even fears. I didn't I didn't get that sense today. And maybe it'll come about. You know, it's a, you know the Chiefs look like theoretically will have a tough schedule to start the season. Maybe that will occur because we didn't expect the team to start off three and four last season. Yeah. So maybe things like that will happen. But today, as we sit here and record this show and do this live. I don't feel that. I feel like this team really understands who and what they are. I feel that the veteran, the veteran players have gotten the young guys, and the young guys themselves, to their credit, have bought in. And I feel like they're just all one team. They have one goal in mind to get back to the Super Bowl that they haven't been to now in two years. And I think that they're 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 hellbent on getting that opportunity. And, and I think it does all start obviously with the coaching staff being who it is, knowing who your quarterback is, having leadership like Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones on both sides of the ball, and the fact, like I said, you're up you're upgrading so much athletically. Skill set players are athletically gifted so much more so than they were last year. And I think there was a lot of confusion and distraction around these guys with like Tyron Matthew not knowing his future, Tyreek Hill wanting to get a big payday and having issues with not getting the ball even though he got 152 targets, and and also the fact that this team this year has so many players on prove-it deals, so many across the board on both sides of the ball. They're all motivated to go and get theirs and also get theirs as a, as a collective. And I, I, I really think the Chiefs have, a, have a, a type of team that we can look back in a few years ago. That was maybe the best team they had in the Andy Reid era. I really believe that. I really, really believe this could be one of the better teams that Andy Reid has had in his 10 years here in Kansas City. And I say that optimistically, but I also say that because of what I'm seeing with my own eyes. We'll, we'll, you know, we got a little bit longer to go. We got another month or so before the regular season starts. But right now, guys, I'm feeling really good about it, and I hope you guys will see the same thing as I'm seeing as well. Yeah, we're gonna have one of the most motivated Patrick Mahomes as well with all the bolts and material he's been getting this offseason. Mm. You know, what I mean, I'm sure we'll get to touch on that here in a minute. But yeah. speaking of that, we have <laughs> one more order of business to get to, you guys. What's it called? Hold, Hold this L. L. Each and every week, we finish off each and every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports, whether they're friendly L's or not so friendly L's in the world of sports. We promise you, whoever is holding those L's in the world of sports deserve those L's. Mr. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo Yo Yo, who's holding the L for you this weekend? Is it F one? Yeah, the F1. Uh, it's Red Bull. Uh, this weekend is the Hungarian Grand Prix in Budapest, uh, Hungary. Uh, I'm hungry too, man. Yeah. And uh, both Red Bulls, uh, uh, Sergio Perez came out in uh, Q2, which is qual- the second qualifying out of three. Uh, he finished, I believe, 11th. So he will start off 11th tomorrow for the race. Tomorrow the race is at 8 a.m. ESPN. You guys want to check it out. And then uh, Q3, Max Verstappen made it to Q3, but uh, he happened to lose power. Uh, I don't know if it was engine issues. I don't know what happened. Uh, But he said he lost power. Therefore, he qualified 10th. So both Red Bulls are 10th and 11 on what's going to be a – it's going to be a tough race for them to even come up the field and, you know, finish in the the top three. Uh, Max Verstappen obviously can do it, especially in the start. Uh, He can overtake. Three, three, four cars within the first two laps, so he can get in in very well, good position to to finish in the top three. But it's going to be a tough challenge. Uh, same for Checo. Uh, I mean, starting eleventh, he's not the greatest at uh, starting, but he can he he's really good at races, so he can definitely come up the field and and also fight for the top top one top three uh, spots for the race tomorrow. Reason I'm giving them the L is because. It's just so disappointing seeing them that far low halfway through the season. After this race, they get a month off, so it's the, it's, they call it the summer break. So seeing them fall off the pace that bad, uh, seeing them have come back with reliability issues again, uh, 
It's disappointing. Um, I was hoping a lot more from from both Max and Checo this this weekend. So it's going to be a tough task just to finish in the top three tomorrow. But I'm sure they can do it. But is the car going to finish the race? I don't know. Uh, I don't know if both cars are going to finish the race, especially how this weekend went. So I guess we'll see. But man, mm. Red Bulls—you can't be—you can't be doing that halfway through the season, especially when I mean you need all the many, as many points as you can get to to win that constructors championship. So, for the reason Red Bull, Red Bull Racing, Max, Checo, you're gonna have to do me a favor and uh, hold this L. L. Trevor Twidwell, who's holding the L for you this week? Well, Eddie had touched on it previously in the show a little earlier, but this was gonna be—I was having a little trouble finding like what I wanted to talk about as far as L, but this one just kind of slid into the perfect timing because it, it, it's it, it's along line, the lines of camp. And we're, we're having great conversations and positivity and, and positive outlooks coming out of our camp and what we expect from our quarterback. Meanwhile, one of the quarterbacks that a lot of people try to tout as better than Patrick Mahomes is having fights with defensive linemen in his, uh, uh, in his own, at their own little scrimmage, their own little practices they're having at their camp. Uh, Josh Allen uh, was running a, I think it was just a straight up direct snap scramble play in the red zone uh, on one of their scrimmages. And Jordan Phillips, uh, I guess, gave him a little. You can watch the film for yourself. It's nothing. Like yeah. he gives him a little shoulder check. <laughs> I guess Josh Allen t- didn't didn't like it getting touched um, at a scrimmage. And, I mean, Josh Allen being the big guy, big tough guy that you know everyone touts him as, and he is. He's very physical, uh, very gifted athletically. Um, and he is the one that threw the first blow. He came right up to him and shoved him. What a leader. Two-handed shove. What a leader. I'm just saying, listen, there's, there's levels to this, right? Never would we see Patrick Mahomes do that. Even, even, even if Patrick Mahomes knows I he was. He knows, he knows. He, no, no, no. This, there's, there's levels to leadership here, man. <laughs> you didn't, I mean, cussing someone out and something like that is one thing. But literally putting your hands on another man and one of your guys that's supposed to be playing and supporting you on the opposite side of the game. It's just that's that's not that's not good for the morale. You defending yourself, whatever you want to say, but it, I would understand if he got laid out or something like that. It was a little body check, and he didn't like it. I, I, I feel like a lot of these guys are already kind of getting that that superstar treatment to where they feel like they. That's what I'm. I'm just. I'm. This is this is just me kind of like showing that I'm thankful for who I have as my quarterback right now, and and, and the level headedness that he has, and the respect that he has amongst not only his peers but the guys on his team, right. There's this difference. There's a difference here, and I just think that we're 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 sitting here having a whole podcast about how positive we are about these guys and what we're seeing at camp, and how you know excited we are about these changes and these new faces and Patrick Mahomes developing with these new guys and all these that. And then you got the Bills camp, and Josh Allen, the leader of this team, is putting his hands on defenders because they gave him a body check on a, on a scramble play. That's, that's that, that to me is just that's 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 a that's a knock on his leadership in my opinion. That's not him defending himself. That's just him having a hissy fit. Yeah. That's not leadership. I'm sorry. It's just not. If you want to cuss somebody out or get, pull them aside after that play was over, <laughs> like, well, there was no risk of him being hurt. Was, he was literally still on his feet. He just got a little bump. That's all yeah. it was. It was. Just, it's kind of pathetic to see. Honestly, you guys can go watch it for yourself. Um, but yeah, for that, there's levels to this, man. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just glad Patrick Mahomes is my quarterback. I don't have to deal with seeing that kind of stuff from my quarterback in practice, uh, and and so on and so forth. So for that, the Bills, Josh Allen, do me a favor and. Hold this L. I'm going to stay right there. Oh, boy. Um, I'm trying my best now in year five of the Patrick Mahomes era to just overlook or roll my eyes or just LOL at 
criticisms that we know are just complete falsehoods towards the the what what Patrick Mahomes is as a quarterback. And I know this is fresh on my mind because I just came back from camp, but but I have to address it, and and it, it's almost absurd to have to address, but I'm gonna address it. First of all, you know what I hate the most in sports when it comes to people having a take or something they have to say that's critical or hot or whatever you want to call it is when they put anonymous in front of it. Oh, yeah. It's one of the biggest cowardly things you could ever do as a man. I, one of the things I love that Herman Edwards always said was put your name on it. You want to say something, put your name on yeah. it. I, I, I can say never imagine. Yeah. can never imagine not putting my name behind something I have to say. And every post we make on the spoken, it always says our names on top of it, does it not? Mm-hmm. On Twitter, does for it not have our force. handle on it? Yes, because I want people to know where it's coming from. I don't want there to be any mistake about it. Yeah. Don't want it to be misrepresented. Well, some dipshit defensive play caller, an anonymous defensive play caller, had an opinion on Patrick Mahomes and why he voted him as a tier two quarterback. Quote, he takes his first read away. You take his first read away. What does he do? He runs. He scrambles. He plays street ball. End quote. Real quick, Trev and Eddie. When was the last time you heard a white quarterback be clarified as a street ball player? Yeah. It's never happened. And there are many players that have had the same style of football as Patrick Mahomes that were white. Mm-hmm. You can go back all the way to 1960 with Fran Tarkenton. Well, they called it, it, the they call it, they call it backyard football with Brett They called it backyard football. They call, yeah. yeah, they never called it street football. It's just yeah. funny how those words just yeah. kind of roll off the tongue. It's I know really we had, urban I, style. I, yeah. <laughs> We saw we saw I saw a comment on our our thread tonight that had, had somebody ask about that. I wanted to address I wanted to address and I appreciate whoever that was that that brought that up because I wanted to bring that up as well. Mm-hmm. That not only is that to me right on the border of just ra- racially insinu- insinuating it's insinuating racism in my opinion because again Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre all these guys play the exact same style of football Patrick Mahomes is. We've never once heard the knock of street football on these guys. Second yeah. of all, and Josh Allen from the same anonymous NFL guy talked about how, oh, this guy has all the qualities. He he has all the abilities to be a franchise one quarterback, tier one quarterback in this league. No street ball bullshit. <laughs> none of that shit. A guy who's like Trevor always brings up has accomplished nothing in this league to this point. Nothing. Especially compared to Patrick Mahomes, who's his daddy, doesn't get that same comparison. That's just really fucking funny to me. Especially when PFF, who I don't even really like at all, comes out with the facts. So you know when it's somebody you, you know when somebody you don't like has something to say that's true. You have to like really like, oh my god, like that blows my mind. I don't even like this motherfucker, but he had something truthful to say. They're sharing the obvious. So PFF went against this dude. Patrick Mahomes on throws past his first read since 2018 is first in PFF grade, first in passing yards, and first in passing touchdowns. Who the fuck are you, anonymous guy? Because you know what? I know now. I now know why you didn't put your name on it. Because you knew that shit was stupid. And I bet it was Rex Ryan to begin with. But no matter who it is, <laughs> this shit is never going to stop. Definitely sounds like a Rex Ryan thing. It's never going to stop. Yeah. We are always going to have idiots talking about Patrick Mahomes like this. And, and, and it infuriates me, and I know we shouldn't even spend our energy on it, but, man, when it's this outwardly and just blatantly dumb, it doesn't even statistically line up. Yeah. He is literally the best quarterback at the, the second or the first read. 
How in the world could you come up with that equa- that, that that thought process? <laughs> you have to just be a complete and utter idiot. And you know what's funny? Is the majority of guys that make takes like this are former defensive coordinators, are former head coaches, are former GMs. Listen, There's a fucking reason why all, those guys don't know have those jobs We all know this is Spags trying to get under Patrick Mahomes' skin to, to light so, a fire under his so the <laughs> So the anonymous defensive guy, ex- a- a.k.a. Rex Ryan and his porcelain teeth, do me a solid and hold this L, bitch. Rex Ryan. Yeah, you I can do. call yourself anonymous. I'll call you bitch. That's what I'm going to yeah. call you. I love stuff like anonymous that, Anonymous bitch calls P- Patrick Mahomes a quarterback that can't you know, re- read past his first read, even though he's statistically the greatest quarterback in the NFL over the last four years after his first read. He plays street ball. I mean, I love stuff. I love here. stuff like that because all it's going to do is just motivate Patrick you Mahomes. Pat- you're, you're waking a sleeping giant. You man. saw his. You saw Aaron Ladd from KCTV Five ask him that question in the press conference yeah. yesterday, and he said, "I don't understand." And he obviously lumped in Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray in that, even though those guys are not even the same tier as him, not mm-hmm. even close. But he's right. But the scrutiny that those guys have gotten is is <laughs> it's unfair, man. Yeah. When was the last time you saw an athletically gifted white quarterback that has, well, I don't know, can he throw? Baker Mayfield, first overall pick, who's barely six foot tall, didn't prove shit in the NFL, never once heard, hey, I don't know, man, can he really throw the football in this mm. league? I don't, I don't know. Never heard that. But he leads the league in, t- in interceptions since 2018. Yeah. You know, second, Aaron Donald, his teammate, who's going to win the job, by the way. We have had an absolute blast today, man. Camp was awesome. I'm exhausted, but I wanted to do this show today. I really appreciate Trevor and Eddie being patient with me, getting back to Kansas City. Wasn't easy. I know, I know that I took up a lot of the day, guys. I apologize, but you guys hung tough. It's good to have the the whole crew back today. It was a blast. Everybody that I got to see out there, I appreciate you guys coming up and saying hi. We appreciate all the support. Uh, Clay got a bunch of love. Shaggy and myself, we all got a bunch of love. There's people out there that pay attention to what we do here. You guys are a part of it. You're part of the community. We really do appreciate you guys doing what you do. Thank you so much but in the meantime we got to get the hell out of here man we have still more stuff to do today i need to get some sleep because i'm fucking tired i've been up since 4 a.m but we wanted to give you guys the show and i wanted to give you guys my thoughts my reactions to what we had going on up there at camp we will give you guys more leading up into the season and then we will have our prediction show before we fucking know it cannot wait for that show that's in a little that's about five weeks away so excited. I knew you guys are excited about football. In the meantime, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find us on the Spoken Podcast. Subscribe there. You can find all of our videos, all of our content there. We'd really appreciate the support and the help in that regard. But in the meantime, for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for the great, great, great Clay Wendler uh, that has an awesome girlfriend named Jan that hooked us up with some stuff today, I am Lance Twidwell of the Spoken Podcast. Episode 177 is done. Finished in finito. And so we're here next week for 178. We out of this bitch. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to the Spoken. I might actually stick around for a little bit.